everybody, and welcome back to 99 Potions Fan Bites premiere RPG podcast. This week, we've got a very special episode about a very special game, and it's special for more than one reason. But before we get to that, let's start by saying that I am one of your co-hosts, as usual, Steven Strum, managing editor over here at fanbite.com. I am joined, as per usual, by one Natalie Flores. Hi. And of course, one John Warden. Oh, what, what? Do you want to take that one more time? John Warner. <laughs> you heard me. I said John Warner. Oh, that is I, Actually, I'm looking up. That is actually how my name is spelled. I yeah. just didn't. I've been spelling it wrong this entire time. Hi, yes. Even John. I'm, Even John can spell his name correctly. Sometimes. I am John Warner. Yeah, great. <laughs> um, he was number one. John Warner. I like that. Like. You're white and you had no issue pronouncing my name. Yeah. But with John, you were like, don't. Yeah, we, we got mm-hmm. to, we got to the, the fucking William Wallace ass John Warren. Uh, and it, yeah, we couldn't we couldn't. That's allyship right there. That baby. is allyship. Good job, Stephen. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, boy, and we have a special guest this week as well, uh, and that's one of the many reasons that the, to this week's episode is so very special. Uh, we have one Ash Parrish from Kotaku.com. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. I know, I'm really excited to talk about Bloodborne. Uh, yeah, uh, so am I. Super, super excited with somebody who has actually played Bloodborne to completion by the sound of it, which I was worried that we were not going to have for wait, this Wait, none episode. of you have finished the game? No, ne- neither neither Natalie nor I What, have, really? Have, I, I finished game. watching it. Yeah, so same. I guess I've, that I've, counts. I've, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that counts. I played it. So, wow. Ash, you and I are on sort of like the, you know how like uh, at the Olympics, there's kind of um, the podiums where it's like the, the number for one place is really high up and then there's yeah. like a number two and then a number three and then everybody else kind of stands to the side. You and I will be on those podiums and yeah. the other everybody two will kind of be. Everybody else is standing on the side. Got yeah, it. Yeah, right. Yeah. They're off it's camera. It's called the best of both worlds. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is the only podcast uh, about a video game that I've been on where I have actually managed to be the authority unless it was a uh, anything having to do with Dragon Age which of course Natalie knows ah, of course yes. as we all know Ash has incredible taste <laughs> not anymore apparently <laughs> no matter what people who may have the name it, Greg Ellis try to <laughs> thwart her good taste she does have it I appreciate God. that what a, what a cursed two weeks huh for yeah, a Dragon a Age fan, time. hell yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. We're gonna <laughs> today. Get... We're talking about Bloodborne. Which is, <laughs> no <laughs> which eggs in Bloodborne. It's cursed, but in a very different way. Maybe preferable to um, the curse mm. that Dragon mm. Age fans have dealt with in the last two weeks. No, in Bloodborne, you only have to worry about the curse of the old blood, the pale blood, the new blood, uh, the young bloods, the comic book superhero team. No, that's Wolfenstein. Shit, you're right. All right, well, (laughs) we're going to pivot real quick. This is now a Wolfenstein podcast, which is great (laughs) because I could talk about Grace Walker all day. (laughs) We might have to return to that one. We might have to mm, put a pin on that. Yeah. But for now, yeah, I would say a a game that we described during our Game of the Decade podcast here at fanbyte.com is I think the like, 
the obvious choice among the Souls-esque games, the Souls-born games, as people have come to call them, to include on our Game of the Decade list, and it was uh, on that list. I don't actually have uh, the placement in front of me uh, uh, as to what number we got. I, I, the, the front half, I think. I think it was Front like, half, yeah. Yeah, I think, it was, I think it was pretty popular, yeah. Kind of undeniably one of the best games of the last generation of video game hardware, now available on the PlayStation 5. And, you know, uh, we were also in the world where the Demon Souls remake, uh, the first game, not the first game by any stretch of the imagination, the first like major Souls game from that studio from software has kind of gotten a little bit of a resurgence. So we're going to look back at one of their most popular games, which is, uh, I would say, also one of the most like experimental of their games in a lot of different ways. Um, and I think Ash can probably attest to that as well. Um, Ash, kind of what's your experience with Bloodborne? What's your history with the series? Uh, I hate everything that has anything to do with Soulsborne games. Like, really? Uh, <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> it's I like, hate... oh, wow, this is going to be a short podcast after all. I mean, <laughs> no. Um, I definitely wasn't, I didn't like the attendant fandom that kind of came with it. Kind of like it had this, edgelordy reputation of being like you're not a true gamer if you can't play these games and mm. they're super hard and i don't want to play a video game just because it's super hard and like it's an achievement that you know pops up over my head whenever somebody you know looks at me uh so i kind of stayed away from them um from what i understood they didn't really have very much of a story if they had like some kind of like story elements like a classic rpg i think i might have been a little bit more interested versus something that you kind of have to dig or only find through uh lore notes or you know very small cutscenes without context stuff like that mm. but for some reason i decided like i want to play a Soulsborne game i think because i was watching my partner play sekiro um, and he, Ooh. yeah, he had a great time. He had a very frustrating, but a very great time with it. And I kind of enjoyed watching him play. And I'm like, Sekiro has a little bit more story than any of the other Soulsborns for sure. And oh, I'm like, sure. all right, what should I play? And he was like, the first Demon Souls. And this was obviously <laughs> before it got uh, re-released on the PS5. And I'm like, that's a little bit old. And I don't think I want to do that. So his other suggestion was Bloodborne. So I'm like, all right. So I swiped his copy of Bloodborne and I didn't know how I was going to react to this game because I typically don't like the idea of having to, you know, start over because every time you die, you start over, everything respawns. You have to go, you know, try to find your body and get your souls back. And if you die, they're all gone. And you have, you know, that idea of repetition, like I hate that idea. Like I won't play you know, games that I love dearly if I lose a save or something like that, just because I hate the idea of having to, you know, tread through all that content all over again. Uh, but for some reason, Bloodborne just, it clicked for me. And I'm like, all right, I can do this. It was very difficult, not as hard as I thought it was going to be, but mm. I enjoyed the challenge that it presented. I'm not that kind of gamer at all. I'm not the kind of person who's a challenge seeker, but Bloodborne was tweaked just enough to be appealing to me and not too difficult to turn me off. And that's how I got through it. Hell yeah. That's an interesting place to start in the franchise too, because Bloodborne at the time was such a reaction to the Souls games because those games were, uh, everybody starts those games, gets the temple shield or whatever it is in that game that gives you 100% damage resistance. And then you you kind of mosey through that game as slowly as possible, kind of letting yourself uh, take hits so that you can learn where enemies are and that sort of thing. Bloodborne removes that safety net. And so if you're Starting with the franchise, you know, the the loose franchise with Bloodborne, you don't have those preconceived notions, which is kind of interesting. I like that. 
Um, how about you, Natalie and John? I know b- neither of you have played the game to completion, but did either of you mm-hmm. ever pick it up at all, or did you just watch it? Well, Natalie, I, I you and I can, I, I don't want to speak for you, but you and I are the, the babies on this show, the babies that can't <laughs> play hard games. That's right. Um, and we said It's not a coincidence no, that we both not. watched it. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Alright, Natalie, our brains are much too big to waste our time with something that's difficult. Do you know what I mean? Um, When we combine our brains, our individual one brain cell turns into like (laughs) a slightly bigger brain cell, but it doesn't like produce like extra brain cells or grow that exponentially. And so that's why we watched. That's it. that's pretty much it. I I um I have played the first like two hours of Bloodborne. I think four different times. Wow. Okay. Um, so like, <laughs> it's a game that I have tried to get into, and I do, I do definitely. Uh, I like the frenetic pace of the combat a lot more than the other Souls games. Mm. Um, but um, <laughs> so this is so goofy. But like um, these games are scary to me. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> like, like they're kind of like you know, like I kind of get like freaked out by like you know something jumping out of me at me, kind of out of nowhere. Like I don't, I, I just don't do well with just being stressed. And on top of it being a difficult game, it is kind of a stressful game. So I I have turned to watching uh, a playthrough of it. Although I will say. Uh, big ups to this game um, uh, for having a, a a guy in a wheelchair in it. Just the best representation of, <laughs> of one guy. There are multiple guy. ones that like that is true. There are wheelchair enemies. Yeah, you. that's true. Yeah. Uh, but German is you know the first hunter, and he's just kind of like chilling. He's just vibing in his wheelchair in the hunter space or whatever the fuck it's called. And uh, hunter's, uh, dream. hunter's or, dream. Yeah, hunter's dream, and he's just like. <laughs> Uh, uh, hi, I used to hunt. Now I don't Hello, anymore. Hunter. Hello, Hunter. So, yeah. Um, I, sometimes I think I should get one of those big, like, tall back uh, wheelchairs. It's real ornate that, like, you can't fucking move at all. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. But aesthetically, it's good. Aesthetically, it's your, real cool. Anyway, that's Queen's kind of... gambit ass wheelchair. <laughs> that just, like, yeah. Board to board. Yeah, exactly. So that's my experience with Bloodborne. What about you, Natalie? Um, yeah, I really don't like a challenge. Um, I don't like being stressed. Uh, I don't like scary games. I don't like being forced to do trial and error and, you know, fail in order to succeed. I would rather just simply succeed. Um, and so, yeah, like I've tried to play it and and while watching it, I, I just kept thinking like, shit i want to play this game and then like i immediately afterwards like something would happen like not even noteworthy and i just like okay never mind i'm I'm pretty good watching because i would not (laughs) like to go through that um so i've played it i've played the first hour like once or twice um at my best friend's house because she is a huge bloodborne fan like she has read all the lore reports and essays and the videos and she actually watched it with me as I watched a playthrough of it and she would like talk about the lore and she'd be like yeah and so the witches are like doing this and they were like actually like failed experiments and then these are like the children of the cause and I'd just be like yeah that's hot (laughs) (laughs) I love that like like she was hot when she was talking about the lore and I was like yeah I'm paying attention and I was and then I forgot all about it like if you ask me right now I probably won't remember 
a lot of it, just because the lore is so intricate and detailed. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, especially in Bloodborne. I, yeah, like I want AOC to play Bloodborne because <laughs> when she was like on that Among Us stream, and she was like, "I love the lore." I just kept thinking while watching Bloodborne, since I was watching it around the same time, I was like, "The lore." <laughs> AOC play Bloodborne. Um, but yeah, I've played it like maybe an hour or two or so while my best friend hypes me up. And then I'm like, wait, no, um, you're the neurotypical between us. You don't have an anxiety disorder. Here, you play it. And then I just give her the controller and she um, she just plays the rest of it for me. And then we go <laughs> sleep or something. But it's I love the aesthetic. Um, like it's a game that has stuck in my mind ever since I first played it. And I just find the universe so fascinating and that never stopped being the case throughout the entire time that I watched it. Uh, and yeah, like I think it's, I haven't played it myself and I still think it's one of the best games of the last generation. Mm. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's just supremely good. That's interesting. It sounds like we all basically have different experiences with the Bloodborne get with specifically with Bloodborne, but also like the Soulsborne sort of uber franchise, if you want to call it that. Uh, because I was definitely into Dark Souls and Dark Souls 2 before Bloodborne came out, beat both of those games, and played a little bit of Demon Souls before then. I don't think I ever beat PS3 Demon Souls until after Bloodborne, uh, when I was just looking for more of that flavor. But yeah, I played Bloodborne for review before it came out. Um, and it was one of the first games I remember ever playing. And I got to that first part, maybe all of you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you've all seen enough and played enough to remember this, but um, that part early on where you get to the big giant bonfire where there's that huge crowd Mm -hmm. of that mob. Yeah. Yeah. And I got stuck on that while I was reviewing this game and there's no guides out. There's no, nobody else has played this game. So there's no wiki. There's nothing to use as like a strategy guide for anything. And I was just like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can beat this game. Like this, I keep getting beaten down, beaten down, beaten down by like the first major encounter in Bloodborne. And there's nothing I can do here. And I was like almost reaching out to my editor at that point being like, I think I think I may just be stuck. I might be fucked. Uh, eventually did get through it and went on to love the game quite a lot. But also because I was playing it before wikis had come out and explained a lot of stuff, I ended up missing a fuckload of stuff in my first playthrough. The whole thing with like Kinghurst Castle, I didn't find until my new game plus. Um, didn't know that there were multiple endings, all the stuff with the umbilical cords that you have mm-hmm. to eat to get the three, mm-hmm. <laughs> the two other endings in this game. Um, and that's the case with, reviewing games Mm -hmm. so much of the time you don't get the quote-unquote experience that other players will right i mean just even if it wasn't like an open world game like you you missed those things and that's kind of just like par for the it's funny because while i was watching uh, um the dlc i was watching this let's player fight against um the orphan of the cause oh sure yeah and i was like I feel so bad for everyone who reviewed this and, uh, because they do not have the privilege of looking up guides. And I was like, I wonder like if I know someone who did that and lo and behold, Steven. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was just like, fuck, like I just like, cause I get really stressed when I'm reviewing a game and I get stuck. Yep. I get big anxiety because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh no, I bet nobody else is having this problem and I'm so stupid and I should just <laughs> never play a video game ever again. But yeah, this is at another level. Well, why don't we talk about 
the sort of secrets and the world and the lore and the things that you kind of tease out over time in this game a little bit. Because, like, um, again, Ash, as your first, like, real Soulsborne-type game, how did you feel about all that stuff on your first time through? I wanted... I, I wish it was structured more like a traditional RPG where mm. you have more of a story. Well, I prefer a story that's kind of like more in your face that kind of like guides you along a little bit on the railsy. It kind of just like plops you in and like, okay, go for it. Just keep <laughs> going forward until you figure out there's a locked door and then you go around the world enough until you unlock that locked door, which opens the next place. And, you know, and you can choose to engage with the story you want or you can just stabby, stabby, shooty, shooty, everybody. But <laughs> I found I, I enjoyed the aesthetics. Like I'm just in yarn and vibing, you know, so I, <laughs> I, I, I dig the whole like the extreme gothic horror vibe, like walking around in like a tri-corner hat and like. I would dress like that every day if I could, you know, oh my God. I, yes. <laughs> like, it's especially, so yes, especially some of the other armor sets. Like you have like this red armor set that makes you look like, you know, kind of like the Scarlet Pimpernel, but if she was a bad <laughs> bitch. So like, I want to, I, I love to have been able to have learned more of that instead of, you know, just trying to comb through like all the little flavor texts on all the little different thingies that you drop. But mm. I, I, I get it's about a church and they heal you with blood and there's old blood and you need to be afraid of it. And oh, you got to fear the old blood, fear the you old have blood, to fear it. Um, honestly, while watching this game, I was just telling my best friend, like, honestly, is it that different from what's happening in real life? Like we got a plague, <laughs> we got organized religion, fucking shit up. Yep. We've got uh, people getting oppressed as one group of people uses the other for experimentation and just like, like Bloodborne is reality and reality is Bloodborne. Everything sucks and there's and a guy- And so I think we should just be allowed to wear <laughs> the fashion that Bloodborne gives us. <laughs> like if it's gonna be that similar to reality, can we just like move on to the part where we dress up in those clothes? Hell Nobody yeah. can stop you. Natalie, we're all locked indoors right now. Nobody's gonna see you if you decide to do that. That is true though. I feel like every coat in Bloodborne is probably bigger than me. <laughs> That's actually absolutely true. Well, that everything is, is, is immaculately true. tailored. So you could get that fixed. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Mm, that's but, true. Yeah, who the sorry, who the fuck is tailoring all these clothes in this world? <laughs> I mean, I mean it's because, the same people that are like giving you potions made out of blood. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess it's just everything does fit impeccably. You're right. Like, yeah, every single fit is like, oh, all right, that was that was done by like a tailor that's had the uh, same shop for like fifty years. That it like, fits exactly. It fits impeccably and on your character who, no matter what you do in the character creator, is this fucking just strung out bean of a person. I mean, mm -hmm. fucking Joe from you ass, like skinny person. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's wild. I mean, yeah. well, you're sick, right? You, yeah, you go I guess to this place sick. because you are sick and you heard about the healing church and they, and you heard that they could cure you and they did. And then you got conscripted to like, like, okay, we cured you. Now you pay us back and there's no, you know, healthcare. So you pay us back, but we give you a big <laughs> Again, ass sword. Again, just like reality. Yeah. <laughs> you have a big ass sword and now you have to kill a bunch of monsters for us. Oh, by the That's way, you can never leave. Every everyone in this everyone in this world is super mad because they're on a cobra or they're uninsured and they're just like they're super 
super mad. Um, yeah. D does anybody mind if I give my basic overview of what's going on in the Bloodborne universe as best uh, as I know it? Oh my yes, god, please. Steve, I would love nothing please more than you for it. to concisely tell me what the fuck is going on in this game. Yeah. Okay. I'll try to be concise. Because okay. they're, like Ash said, it's very intricately woven. Um, so basically, a bunch of people, the original hunters, the original healing church and all them, dug underground, found uh, some Prothean ruins. Yeah. Uh, your your ancient civilization, <laughs> the, the uh, what are they called in this game? The, the Tumerians. Thumerians. Yeah. Uh, they found the Thumerians and discovered basically a body of a dead eldritch god in like the Lovecraftian sense of the word and found out that its blood was useful for all kinds of different things, including healing people. You could basically make it into different concoctions that would heal people. They start experimenting with the blood a whole bunch. Uh, and over time, what they start to realize is that the other eld eldritch gods, the old ones are still or the great ones. I think they're called in the yes. world of Bloodborne are watching them and sort of start helping them uh, try to ascend towards godhood. Different factions start to crop up out of this original healing church. You've got the Bergenworth College, which is kind of like focused on understanding the concept of insight in this universe, which is like using your mind uh, to see the different old ones and trying to uh, approach it from that direction. The church, galaxy brain levels. The yeah, galaxy go, brain levels. Go Bulldogs, by the way. Go Bulldogs at the, the Bergenworth Bulldogs. Okay, they're really good. Their volleyball team this year is unbelievable. It helps when you have not, eyes literally not, in the back of your head. Uh, not, a like not a single game canceled because of the blood sickness. I can't believe it. Yeah, oh Jesus God. Christ. It really is us. It really uh, is us. Oops, one of the, the linebackers just turned into a werewolf and ate oh. the other one. <laughs> well, they just took him off the field, but everyone else is remaining. I can't believe it. Wow. Well, so it's funny you say that, John, because that's literally a thing that happens in the Bloodborne universe is the the original hunters are people, as they start experimenting on people and making blood ministration uh public thing, the hunters are kind of this covert organization that goes out into the night and says, like, ah, somebody turned into a monster over in Midtown, go hunt them down, kill them in the middle of the night, drag them away, basically black bag them so nobody learns that the blood is making people sick and turning people into monsters. Uh, over time, that starts to fall apart as people start to realize that things are falling apart. The hunts become a thing to kind of cover it up even further because it starts to become too big of a thing to try and uh, pretend is just like one or two people in isolated incidents. Um, again, like I said, there's that schism between the two different uh, places. And all the while that this is happening, you've got your things like the Amygdalas sort of casting a spell over the town of Yarnum, which is named after one of the Thumerian queens, uh, that makes it so people don't realize that there are a, just a fuckload of big giant squid people just watching them at all times. <laughs> just like reality. Just like reality. Just like the Galactic Federation has been uh, watching us and trying to decide if we are ready to join here on Earth, so too are the Amygdalas. Mm -hmm. Um... There is more in the lore in terms of like the uh, when you get into the old hunters DLC, there's like where the, the hunters start to break down is they go and destroy this one village. Uh, that's where Garmon uh, kind of comes in to a certain degree. Garmon is like one of the leaders of a team that goes to kill this village that is very much a reference to the shadow over Innsmouth. 
from Lovecraft. Uh, Maria, his sort of partner at that time, uh, feels so bad about what they do to this village, creating the orphan of Koss, killing Koss, it seems like, uh, that she ends up committing suicide herself. Uh, you eventually fight her in the Hunter's Nightmare, but German is so heartbroken about her death that he sort of retires into the Hunter's Dream, creates a doll in her likeness, who is the person who helps you level up through this universe. Oh. And, you know, throughout the game, you're looking for this thing called the Pale Blood, which is never throughout all of Bloodborne explicitly explained what that is, but that is kind of the MacGuffin as you try to work through this world and uh, uncover its mysteries. But those are the mysteries that are going on in the background throughout Bloodborne, more or less. One of the things that I really liked about Maria, you said she felt so bad about what they did to like this fishing village. Like you can see she put up like a grave that over hangs where you fight the orphan of cause. Like you mm -hmm. can see like graves mm -hmm. with like flowers on them. I thought that was really nice. Yeah, the, all the stuff in the Hold Hunters DLC, I think, is like top notch mm -hmm. from software. Like from software has been very hit or miss with its DLC over the years, I feel like. And in Bloodborne, I feel like the Old Hunters expansion really completes that game in a lot of different ways. Uh, that yeah. All the stuff that you just you know men mentioned with like the, the little hints of things with Maria and stuff. The Maria fight is maybe one of the best boss fights in any From Software game, I would say. Yes. That music kicks in. Oh, yeah. God. And I really like her. I, sh I think she was my favorite character, which I think is like a basic bitch thing because everyone loves Maria <laughs> from what I can tell. But I just, I think she is such an interesting character and I really love the ways in which the narratives of Bloodborne feel like they're usually led by women. And I really appreciated that. Yeah, I actually, that's actually tr pretty true. Like, Bloodborne, you've got Maria. Dark Souls 2, you've got the um, the, the woman in Majula, the firekeeper, if I remember her name. The, the maiden in black in Demon Souls. Uh, in a lot of cases, that's definitely the case. Uh, Maria is definitely the most fleshed out character in all of Bloodborne, I would say. I don't know. Do, do anybody else, uh, does anybody else have a specific character that they really like from Bloodborne? Besides I like Eileen the Crow. Eileen yeah, the I was going to say, Eileen is gay. <laughs> Literally Jordan in the chat <laughs> just links to the Bloodborne yeah, wiki for Eileen the Crow. To Eileen. <laughs> I was going to jump in and say, yeah, Eileen, and she's gay. Yeah, Eileen is great and has those fucking dual daggers that turn into a big sword and is like one of the coolest weapons in that game. Um, and she fits into another From Software trope. This game is like obviously built on a lot of From Software different kinds of tropes, just like they do with all their games. They build on a lot of different things. And in a lot of the Dark Souls games and the Demon Souls games, you usually have the Onion Knight character, uh, who is a character who will show up in various places throughout the game. You have to help them with different things. Eileen fills that bill in Bloodborne as she's hunting down this uh, murderer, because as you find out in the Bloodborne universe, the hunters use blood to strengthen themselves against the uh, monsters. They use it to basically enter a psychic realm called Dreams, the Hunter's Dream, which is what allows them to come back to life over and over and over again. But eventually, if they start to lose their humanity, they can no longer access the dream. Eventually, with Eileen, she loses the ability to enter the dream while she's fighting down this um, horrible murderer you help her take that guy down and she passes away but you get her cool ass weapons and that's very good john how about you uh no it's i you know um ben the large one of my favorite characters ben from the Bloodborne. large yeah 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 um, jad the taff yeah <laughs> um there's uh ooh, that one character that's really into blood um, yeah uh-huh captain ginyu 
I can tell. <laughs> I honestly, besides uh, besides the characters you've just named, including uh, Eileen the Crow, whose design I really, really love, uh, I I'm not super attached to any of the characters in this game. That's and that's not really a character fair. focused game. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a much lot of it's very setting. Setting is yeah. something that I, I latch onto a lot with this world, but. Uh, Characters not so much. Uh, I do love that they did they did name a character Eileen though. I just love that. It's just like, hi, these are this is Garman and like you know uh, the bl- blood blood witch supreme. And here's Eileen. Um, <laughs> Eileen's also here, and uh, she did bring uh, blondies, which is really cool. Thanks. Oh, hell yeah, they've been in your Ash. What about you? Because I know that we. Um... We reached out to Ash to talk about Bloodborne with us because you wrote a piece on Father Gaskill. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, yeah. Gaskill? I think it's pronounced Warbur. <laughs> How's it pronounced? Ash? I think it's Joker. called Gascoin. That's. Yeah. I'm Gascoin. pretty sure that's how it works. No, the yeah. the piece that I wrote about that was like everybody. This was right after the election, right? And you know, yep. uh, Joe Biden won, and everybody's like. Hey, yeah, it, it's over, but it's like that first fight in, <laughs> you know, Bloodborne with Father Gascoigne <laughs> is like, yeah, it's over, but there's a whole rest of the fucking game that you kind of get through <laughs> because nothing was so hard for me than that boss. That first boss beat the shit out of me. I almost quit. And I, I took a speed run trick because I watched a lot of I watch a lot of speed runs because I just enjoy them. They're just like my background noise. But I watched a speed run for Bloodborne and it, it I learned a trick, like fight him on the stairs. Like he's you fight him in a graveyard and I kept fighting him in a graveyard and I would roll dodge and I would get stuck on a headstone and then he would just yeah. murder the shit out of me. But if you take him to the stairs and you fight him on the stairs, like it goes from extremely difficult to like extremely easy, like really quick. And I'm like, oh shit. So I did that and then I beat the game and I'm like, oh, and I'm like, oh, Are shit. Are you saying we should fight Biden on the stairs? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying all we had to do was fight Trump on the stairs and then we can get over it. But no, it's like, I don't know why I am so relieved because the, this is literally the first boss. Like, uh, I mean, there's right. the, the the cleric beast, I think, is also one of the first boss, but he wasn't really you, that yes. big a deal. You but, can pick uh, which one you end up fighting first. Most people encounter the cleric beast first. But yeah, Gascoigne is the like, again, in a very... From software tropey kind of way, there's usually a big skill check boss that yeah. is right before a big hub that allows you to go go down a bunch of different branching paths, and that's exactly what Gascoin is. Yeah, 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 and he, he checked the shit out of my skill, and it was so <laughs> it was it was so funny because I was able to like run through like the next two bosses on the first go, like it was like no problem at all. I was like, holy shit, I am invincible. I wasn't invincible. Uh, but nothing gave me so much trouble. Like not even Mirko's wet nurse or anything like that. I was like, no, oh, this wow. is easy. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I find Gascoigne's story to be very tragic. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if any of the playthroughs you watched or if you were able to complete the story because you can just like bounce right off of it if you don't pay attention. You can run into his daughter and mm-hmm. she, you talk to her through like a window and you can complete these things. And then what, ha- like she's waiting for her parents to come back or something like that. And you find yeah. out, oh, guess going is her dad. If you don't do like the right things or if you do like a certain set of things in a certain order, like the girl leaves her house, but you find evidence that she like later dies or is killed in the hunt or something like that. But- she's eaten by a giant boar. 
Oh, that oh living in the sewers. that's right. Yeah. She is. Oh God, that's tragic. Because she's like this sweet little girl, and you can because she gives you a, a music box that you can use to kind of stun Gascoigne before he transforms into his beast form, and that helped too. <laughs> so, which is kind oh, of tragic, yes. you know? Like, oh, thank you, little girl, for this music box that I'm going to use to kill your father that you're waiting <laughs> to kill your dad. <laughs> hey, do you have anything that can help me kill your dad? No, oh, you're right just helping here. reunite you know, you them. Okay, cool. Duh. Um, and then that's also in that fight, like this is one of the just great strengths of From Software is the environmental storytelling as you pick through the, like the bones of a dead or dying world. Bloodborne is kind of the middle ground between Dark Souls and Sekiro where Bloodborne is a world that is just, just at the end of, of its lifespan. It is, it is just died. It is a fresh corpse of a civilization. And you can, in that boss fight, go find Gascoigne's wife on top of a... a little shack and it's implied that he loses his mind and kills her as she went out to go and try and um, calm him down. But she forgot to bring the music box with her to calm him down. Wow. 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 Uh, Shit, man. You just kind of fucking blew my mind with that. Like, Oh yeah. I love finding stuff, little, little stuff like that. I love the little environmental storytellings. Like I I would prefer a story that it's bigger, but I love when a big story is augmented by those little tiny things that you kind of have to dig for kind of like codex notes and things like that. Like, holy shit, man. Bloodborne is a really masterful example of that because the playthrough that I was watching Let's player, she she wasn't checking most of the item descriptions and so much of the lore is contained in item yeah. descriptions. And so my best friend was constantly shouting like, check the item description. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so, it is so just interesting how this world is crafted through those little nuggets that you can find. It, it, it has them there for you to find, but it doesn't just give them to you. You have to go out of your way to find them and yeah. i think that's so it, it's such a masterful way of crafting the story for me i really love the lore in bloodborne and um i love the mix of like uh the european setting but there's like some inspiration from japanese events and like it's just all so really cool and just i don't know i really love it well the, the sort of gothic horror that it starts with is just not something we ever get to see in video games i feel like especially not on this like scale of budget right yeah 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 mm-hmm. Right. And also speaking as somebody who was playing this game before anybody knew anything about it because it was playing it pre-release, the late game turn of you realizing, oh, this is like based on gothic horror. And then you get to the part where you beat Ron the Vacuous Spider, who is casting the spell, this sort of glamour Mm -hmm. over Yarnum, the city where the game takes place, that is keeping everybody from realizing what's actually going on. And then suddenly you can see the big giant Cthulhu monsters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is like, that was like an all time great twist. Yeah. it's a totally. really good reveal, yeah. Um, I guess, Ash, this is also just a kind of a direct question for you. How do you enjoy actually playing the game when you're actually in the moment? I I really liked it a lot. I don't know why. I can't explain it because it's so much of stuff that I really just don't like in video games. You know what I mean? But yeah. I, I, my, my weapon was um, the big axe where Ooh, yeah. it turns into like a big, bigger axe that you can <laughs> swing around like a whirlwind. I know everybody uses like the, the, uh, the saw blade, like the, that's like the defining weapon of that game. But I, I use the axe and I just loved like winding up and 
you know, killing everything. Usually, like, it's almost a one-hit kill. So, Mm -hmm. but the thing is, if you get caught in the middle of your swing, you're going to get your shit beat out of you. But I just, I I love, you know, being, um, like, kind of cheeky with it. Like, yeah, I know I got enough time to complete this swing before he gets at (laughs) me. Uh, So, I, I really, I really enjoyed that. One of the things that I remember from the game is that, you know, I'm playing this with my partner because he's never, I've never played these games before. And I'm like, I can't, I'm, I'm a big baby too. Like, ooh, I'm scared. I don't want to do this. I need to have somebody to like hold my hand while I go through this game, right? So he was holding my hand, which is like a bad idea because he kind of yells at me when I was like, no, baby, no, you have to do it this way. Baby, no, baby, turn around. No, stop. He's kind of like that kind of person. Oh my God. <laughs> but I, I just, I really did enjoy that. And, and the parts, especially when you're dying over and over again, like I did with Gascoigne, and you get to this point where like, okay, I could just run through this. Like, okay, yep, here's where this guy is going to jump out from. And here's where this guy is going to jump out from. And you can, like, go through that in your sleep. And I kind of really dug doing that because he's like, yeah, I'm a total badass. Like, ugh. Kind of like Groundhog's Day, but with murder. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bloodborne, yeah, because you, I think you nailed the, uh, you hit the nail on the head, rather, with uh, Bloodborne. Because getting cheeky with that axe is such a defining feature of early game Bloodborne because there is no blocking. You know, or there is, but there's like a fake ass shield in this game that is like a joke. If you read the item description, it basically like admonishes you for trying to use the shield. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in the DLC, they added a slightly better shield, but still nobody ever uses that stuff. So it's more just about like dodging and a little bit in the parry timing stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which I could never really get with the gun. And shooting. It's really weird. And the vicious attacks, like if you stem them and then you hit a button the right way and then you can just like stab them like really bad for, you know, massive damage. And then like the transform, like trick, whatever that each weapon has like a trick you can do. Yeah. Like doing that shit. Like, no, I I, I have no patience for that. I just enjoyed <laughs> swinging my axe around all over the goddamn place. And it, that's exactly what the game wants you to do in a lot of situations, because, yeah, like offense is the best defense in Bloodborne, which is just so not what Dark Souls was at the time. And I think we kind of forget about that. Even people who played a bunch of Dark Souls and Demon Souls at the time, and it's been cast into much starker relief now for me playing Demon Souls and realizing just how much of that game can be played just from behind your shield. Just like, all right, I got to hide real quick, guys. Please don't hit me with your big pickaxe. Oh, my God. Um <laughs> And yeah, re- retreating yeah. and guarding is really like a totally viable strategy in those games. And in in Bloodborne, it's too. in oh, yeah, that's okay. true. No, 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 no. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say in real for, life. For me, that's definitely true. But for Bloodborne, that really was a really interesting wrinkle that um I I think I would like to see them try again. Of course, it's been, you know, uh long rumored that we'll eventually see some sort of follow-up to Bloodborne, but I it's can't like, believe we didn't get one. I know, announced. I know, I know. Or like but, a uh, PC I, port. Like I would love, I would yeah, love to play something. it again. <laughs> My friend something. Jason Coles today tweeted, he was like, Oh, there are rumors that uh Bloodborne PC port is gonna be announced at the game awards. It's me, I started the rumors. Now <laughs> 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 so they're rumors. No. Um but yeah, like I think I think that's really um that that's really one of those cool things that I think set it apart from those souls games and really got me interested in playing it is knowing that um, kind of the aggression is your best defense is, mm-hmm. you know, being able to claw back the damage that has been done to you by being aggressive. is just, I, I don't know. It's a really cool wrinkle that they, they uh, I think they really effectively executed. So I think 100%. so. Yeah, I think so too, because I tried playing, 
Dark Souls 3 after mm-hmm. Bloodborne and I had no patience for it. Like, no, I don't want to do this. I want to just go play Bloodborne again because I wanted I wanted <laughs> to recapture, like I wanted that experience again, right? And I wanted a game that would give me that experience again without having to actually do the game again. And my partner suggested Dark Souls 3. So I did it and I'm like, nah, fuck this. Like I got to <laughs> the first, like the first boss is like right there. And I'm like, can't do this. I don't want to do this. Fuck this. I'm going to go play Bloodborne again. I didn't play Bloodborne again, but now that I'm talking about it, it's like, shit, I really want to play Bloodborne again. Like, I have that thought every, like, two or three weeks. Like, man, I would just like to play some Bloodborne. And then I didn't. And I think I'm going to do that because I made a choice at the end of the game that was that was the Mm. good ending to me. Like, Mm -hmm. was the good ending, but it wasn't the ending ending. So I think I need to go back and be like, all right, let me do this for real, for real. So. Yeah, because uh, there are three different endings in Bloodborne that are <laughs> in true from software fashion, all tied to bizarre side quests. Very <laughs> small, Eating very small cords. little things that you could do differently. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. And like with often with like limited windows of availability throughout the game. Like yep. if you if you go fight this boss and kill this boss without any notification to you as a player you might be closing yourself off from the final ending of that game mm-hmm. yeah. um, which, which of course is something that like i kind of admire just the confidence of being like uh yeah okay if you don't do this random bullshit then yeah but at the same time steven it does remind me a little bit of the zodiac spear from final oh Fantasy yeah 12. oh my god oh <laughs> so, shit so yeah i mean the- <laughs> Zodiac spear. Um, all my homies hate the zodiac spear. all my homies hate the zodiac spear yeah i think like i think just like that that kind of quest in the randomness of like it's not blood the stuff in bloodborne and souls games is not quite to this level so i need to i need to maybe be less hyperbolic but like it does remind me a little bit of that just these small differences between pretty drastic endings that you can get in these games is is something that like does happen a lot do you, so. do you yeah. want to know something tragic yes. i went and got all three umbilical cords and then i just had Kerman kill me at the end because he's like oh. you can wake up he's like you can wake up and it's over and, and you're like that sounds great yeah well see okay so the, the thing is like we it, it's a very ambiguous kind of ending right and they're all kind of right. like bad right the idea is that uh, you're in a dream. Like, you don't know if you're in a dream or if you're not in a dream. Like, it says it's a dream or not. Or Grimman tells you, like, everything that you've done so far it has been in a dream. I'm going to kill you now and you're going to wake up. And that's exactly what happens. But the idea is, no, this was real life. And when you're you're dead, you're dead. And now you're in whatever afterlife where the sun rises and everything's cool and everything's okay now. Like, the hunt is over, right? That's the Grimman kills you ending. And I'm like... That's a good idea. That sounds like good to me because, you know, I'm role playing this a little bit. Right. My black ass, you know, wouldn't be in this situation in the first place. If, if there are no black people in Bloodborne for good reason, because we would see this shit and turn completely around in the other direction. How the but, fuck do I get out of here? Ending. Exactly. And that true to my character, like, how the fuck do I get out of here? I got out of there. Whether or not I'm dead or whatever is a good idea to me. But like the other two endings is bite this guy and you become a god slug or not bite this guy and just everything you you miss the the big cosmo demon that you have to fight and kill and turn into a god slug like i don't like that idea i don't like that idea so i'm noped out so i need to go back and play it again and choose like hey (sighs) not this time i'm gonna fight the old man and the moon monster so i can get the other two endings (laughs) 
I did the exact, I had the exact same fucking thing happen to me with Sekiro recently, or not recently when Sekiro came out, which is a year ago now, I suppose. But I did absolutely everything I needed to do, much like you got all the umbilical cords. I did everything I needed to do to get the actual secret ending of that game. Stepped away from the game for like a week because I had to play something else for work. Forgot to go give the item I needed to give to a specific NPC to trigger the ending and then just got the bad ending. Yeah. Instead uh, of the good ending. And just fucking uh, forgot to hit X on this one character and uh, just invalidated like fucking 45 hours of or whatever it took me to beat that game. <sighs> but I mean to go back and do that at some point. I also got to go back and play Bloodborne all the way through again. Um, just because I've not actually beaten the DLC all the way through. I've gotten up to the Orphan of Kos mm. and I've just never... I. It's not that I like got frustrated and walked away. It's just that I just got distracted because I started playing that DLC when it came out and had it was a freelancer at the time and had 10 trillion different games to play uh, and nothing has changed so one day I'll get back to it but what's the, what's like the what's the deal with the DLC like what does it cover because I don't I don't really know much about the DLC I don't think I've even watched anyone play through it so I didn't play through the DLC the whole way through like because what ends up happening in the DLC is like it's this alt that you get picked up by an amygdala, I think, and like yeah. transported. <laughs> the, the DLC starts by you just walking into a place that normally just instantly kills you. There's a there's a place that you can walk into where a big hand is just constantly sweeping by. And if it touches you in the normal game, you just die. But once you buy the DLC, the hand picks you up and carries you to a different level. Uh, yeah. Oh, OK. <laughs> So, so you know, it's as transparent as the rest of oh, the of game. Oh, of course basically. it is, yeah. Okay, gotcha. So, like, you get there, and the idea in the regular Bloodborne world, you're fighting monsters, right? You'll you'll fight the occasional, like, hunter or whatever that'll show up, but most of your enemies are monsters. In the DLC, most of your enemies are hunters, and they're just like the hunters in the real game, which are, like, enemies that I kind of avoided because I thought they were, like, they, they have kind of, like, better AI. They're a little bit faster. They're a little bit stronger. They're hard as shit to beat. And so they're I- They're Sekiro bosses yeah, in Bloodborne. Yeah, like, mm. I, I saw those hunters, and I'm like, you know what? I'm good. I'm gonna turn around and take <laughs> my black ass back to the other yeah. fucked up world because I can't be here. So I, I've seen it played. Like I've done a little bit of it, but like it's too like scary hard for me. So I, I didn't fight Ludwig yeah. or uh, Lawrence or uh, I, I killed a blood liquor. So oh, that was yeah. cool. Uh, from a lore perspective, what it basically is, is the hunter's dream is where the hunters go when their physical bodies die so they can resurrect um, for a certain number of times in the hunter in the old hunters DLC. You go to a place called the hunter's nightmare, which is a, like a parallel dream reality, which there's a couple of those throughout the Bloodborne universe. There's the nightmare of Mensis, which is created by one of those um, schism factions, the uh, that split off from the College of Bergenworth, the Mensis uh, people. And you go to a place called the Nightmare of Mensis near the end of Bloodborne uh, base game. In this one, you go to the Hunter's Nightmare, which is a sort of hell reality that pulls in all of those people who died in that fishing village. Um, like, Or all the people who killed the people in that fishing village are basically pulled in as a sort of punishment by Koss, which is one of the old ones that was killed by Garamond and Maria. And as punishment, they're trapped in this purgatory called the Hunter's Nightmare. And you go there to kind of break the curse by... Basically, it is implied killing Ka, uh, the orphan of Kos, which is this sort of like human old one hybrid that had been 
birthed in this world. And by killing it, you, reun you reunite it with its dead like parent, Koss. Mm -hmm. And Koss allows you to leave the hunter's nightmare as a sort of, um, you know, recompense for all this, for breaking the cycle. And as a result, you end up getting like a lot more context in, into like the backstory of the world, who Germán was, who Maria is, why there's this doll. Uh, there's a very secret area in Bloodborne base game uh, where you basically have to fall down a giant hole. I did that like, six times. Uh -huh. Yeah, that was hard as shit to do because it was like it's really annoying. Because you know what? You know why it was hard? Because I had not learned how to jump yet. I didn't know you could jump. Oh yeah, uh -huh. yeah. So uh, well, trying to fall it's down, a weird right? Jump. It is very weird, but I managed to like after a million tries get it because if you miss or whatever, you're you just splat on the ground. So I did uh -huh. that <laughs> to get the old doll's clothes and all that shit. Like, and it looks just like what you do whenever you you know die and go back to the hunters, whatever, where you talk to the doll. It's just like that, mm -hmm. except it's like old and decrepit. And I thought that was really cool, except yeah. I couldn't get to it for a long time. Sorry, you have to fall down a hole six times? Yeah. There's a big giant hole and there are like six different platforms, like mm -hmm. rickety old bridges sticking out of the walls. And you have to very specifically jump and position yourself so that you land on those platforms. And then you will always take fall damage. So you have to heal as well every single time and make sure you have healing items. And there's a secret area that has like a really cool, I think that's where you get the hunter's bone, which is a item that you can get that'll let you teleport. I don't remember um, that. It's uh, it might also be in a different place, but it's basically you can use it instead of like your um lantern or whatever, and it makes it so that your dodge is temporarily replaced with like a little blink teleport that makes your your uh invulnerability windows longer. It's a very cool thing. And then, yeah, there's the, like Ash said, there's the the doll down there. You basically find the hunter's dream, what the hunter's dream is based off of in the real world. And it's Germán's old workshop where he built a doll to represent Maria because he felt so bad about her and was kind of like broken after the events wow. of the, the old hunter stuff. Wow. So if that leads to some sort of like crazy, like hidden place, I wonder what turning the game on for a couple hours and off again for a couple of years gets you. <laughs> I should probably load it back up and see what that does. Yeah, you get an um, achievement. There's a trophy you can only get by not playing the game for four years. It's sort of the original okay. Stanley Parable. I mean, listen, listen, oh, listen. God. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure we're getting there to uh, to that level of uh, obscurity. So, God, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> there's a lot of of stuff like that in this game in particular, for sure. But um, I mean, hey, Dark Souls One has a thing where you can get to a secret area in Dark Souls 1 by climbing up to this air, like this very specific tower that the game doesn't even tell you you can get to. Crawl into a big bird's nest and then crouch, and you have to crouch for like three minutes, and eventually a bird will show up and carry you away to a secret level. <laughs> so God. you have cow levels, and now we have <laughs> bird levels. Now we have bird levels. Well, that that reminds me of the beginning, the uh, beginning of uh, Far Cry Four, where you can just like uh, just sit there until the yeah. villain takes you away, and then and then what's cool is that it saves you from having to play Far Cry, 4, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is really cool. But I mean, it, the, the inverse of that is one thing that's really cool about Bloodborne. I know we've just got done talking about how all of us need to go back and replay this game, but it does incentivize you to go and replay the game because you do yeah. find out, you're, you know, months down the line. Oh, shit. I didn't even realize there was this whole other secret level that I didn't do. Mm -hmm. You know, that's very cool. The the secret level that uh, I'm thinking of is Kanehurst. Yeah. 
So I went back to Canehurst and um, I, I guess I lied. Father Gascoigne pissed me off. Like there was something <laughs> unique about Father Gascoigne because I struggled with other bosses. Uh, and the boss at the end of Canehurst is one of those bosses that I struggle with, but nothing made me so angry as Gascoigne did. I got to, I think his name is Martyr Logarius or whatever. Yep. I got to him. He beat yep. the shit out of me like several times. So I'm like, you know what? Fuck you. And I just turned around and left. <laughs> like, I don't have time to deal with this. Like I beat Father Gascoigne. Who are you? Like, what is, who, who the fuck are you? Fuck you. I'm, I'm getting out of here. Oh so. yeah. The Canehurst stuff is so good. Cause that is a thing where um, I think I got to imagine Natalie, when you were watching this, that people were probably just in the chat, just like screaming, like, please, 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 please pick up this <laughs> specific letter, pick up the Canehurst summons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because I was watching it on YouTube instead of Twitch, and it's just ah. like, um, yeah, like she was just uh, playing through the game, and like she had the videos edited and whatnot, so like not live and stream, um, but yeah, but she was very bad at the game, which I <laughs> relished in because I just felt a kinship with her. I, um, I, something that I've been wanting to ask is because we've talked about how we would replay this game, and at least like. I definitely know that I have several friends who are like, hey, if you want to play this game and you need help, just let us know. They're like the Bloodborne Brigade. <laughs> and they're ready to jump in and carry me through it, which I will absolutely need. Um, but it's it's a game that I get, I get the sense that a lot of people see it, and, and this is such an arbitrary term, of course, but I do know that a lot of people whose opinions I trust would call this a perfect game Mm, mm. and that they would pay more than $60 to just play a PC port of at 60 FPS. Um, So I'm curious, like, do y'all think of this as sort of a perfect quote-unquote game? And I know that's such an arbitrary term, but yeah, I'm wondering how you feel about that. There is one glaring fault, which is a thing that I really docked this game for at the time because I didn't even realize how big it was until after mm-hmm. I beat it for review and didn't know about things like Canehurst Castle and all that stuff. Uh, but I really, 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 to this day, dock this game for the Blood Vial system is such a pain in the ass. Oh, really? Well, what about it? Uh, so because I just like the stabby animation. Oh, you yeah. Stab the right leg. And <laughs> I think that's really cool. And <laughs> that's all that I really <laughs> stabby stabby. Uh, the stabbing it is very good. It just looks really cool. Uh, yeah. And, you know, the stabbing can factor into some really interesting stuff in this game, too, where you can get your health back if you uh, hit enemies uh, quickly enough after you take damage. And there's a couple of other mm-hmm. things like the runes that you can use to steal health back if you get a vicious attack. But for the most part, how you heal yourself in Bloodborne is with blood vials, which is a limited resource that you have to farm off of enemies and you can only hold a certain number of them at a time in Mm -hmm. the game. Mm -hmm. And it sucks. Farming for blood vials is the worst thing about Bloodborne, like bar none. Uh, And still to this day is at the at launch, it was even worse because you could only have like a hundred of them or something like that in your like stock back at base, like in your in your basically item box. Oh no! And they eventually, way down the line, patched it so you could hold like nine hundred and ninety nine. But if you could get to a point where it's like, okay, I got to farm blood vials, and then you would get to an upper limit of blood vials, and you just like, I guess those are just gone. I guess I just don't get to keep those, and I'll have to do the fa- blood vial farming again in four hours, and it sucked. Um, they, it, it sucks, especially because other from software games have handled this so much better. Dark Souls two is the platonic ideal. I think of good health 
regeneration systems in these games, which is they use the Estes Flask, which is a Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3 concept where you can heal yourself a certain number of times, and every time you go back to a checkpoint, you get those charges back. And over back. time, yeah, you can yeah. level that up. Yeah. And then in Dark Souls 2, what they did was they they split the difference. They said, here's the Estus Flask, and here are a bunch of consumables that when you pop them, don't heal you immediately, but give you like 30 seconds of regenerating health. So there was like a risk-reward of I'm going to use this limited time item. It's not going to heal me as fast as an Estus flask, but I won't be burning an Estus flask. I can farm these, these crystals if I want to. And so you had to like play into this risk reward of like, well, if I can just not get hit by this enemy, I'll heal up to full by the like end of this fight. Uh, or I can pop an Estus flask, but there's no way to recharge my Estus flasks except for recharging all the enemies in the area too. And that was amazing. Dark Souls 2 kind of got... Um, beaten down at launch for not being Dark Souls 1, basically. Like, a lot of people were disappointed, but in the years since, I think a lot of people have really critically reevaluated Dark Souls 2 and think of it as one of the absolute best games in the sort of Soulsborne Uber franchise. But I don't know if it's uh, as good as Bloodborne, but Bloodborne is very, 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 very good, other than the Blood Vial system. I don't know if it's perfect, but it's tremendous. Speaking of someone uh, who hates Soulsborne's game, and loves Bloodborne. Yeah, it's a perfect game. If it was enough to <laughs> to overcome all of my ideas about the kind of people that are attracted to Bloodborne or who say, like, get good, that kind of shit. If it's enough to make me, you know, transcend my uh, aversion to that, it's a damn good game. And it should yeah. be in the best, like, the top 10 of the PS4 games. It, just, like, absolutely easy. It's absolutely one of the best games of, like, last 10 years for sure. Um, I, I think it's a really cool game. I, I'm obviously not an authority on it. I, th I think it's, I think in the, I, I think. <laughs> Judge, I, ah, fuck, you know, it's whatever. It's, know, it's, it's uh, fucking, three out of five, it's I think. fucking whatever. I don't know. Um, no, I, I, I really appreciate it. It is very, very scary. Um, I really do appreciate it for the risks it took, uh, against the formula that the other souls games had established. And I think, um, that married to all the gameplay elements that changed married to the kind of the different aesthetic and vibe of the world of Bloodborne, I think really uh, sets it apart in a way that um, is super, super interesting to me. Um, I, you know, I don't think any of the, the Souls games are perfect. I think like um, I think things are obfuscated in a way that uh uh, in, in all of these games in a way that I actually don't always think is that interesting. I think it's actually, um, you know, a lot has been written and said about like kind of the punitive nature of these games. And usually that's attached to combat, but in some ways I think like, um, you know, some of the things that we've alluded to about like to find all of its secrets, you have to do things that aren't even really that clear in the overarching world. They're, in my opinion, more or less happenstance. There's a charm to that, but I don't think that's very, um, I don't think that lends itself to like, I don't know, being like a, a perfect thing. I don't know. There, there, there are games like breath of there are games like breath of the wild that hide a lot of those things, but they're usually very subtle signposts. If you want to discover more of the world, I always kind of feel like souls games have those moments, but they are, um, very deliberately obfuscated in a way that I don't always think is that interesting, but I do think Bloodborne is very cool. That's fair. Yeah. How about you, Natalie? Um, 
Oh, well, I'm like, uh, I asked the question, but I hadn't thought of an answer. <laughs> ah, I figured you were giving my, yourself you know time. What? That's my, that's my, yeah. fav- that's my favorite thing to do is like ask someone a question. And then I'm like, well, I'm not critically engaging with this at yeah. all, actually. Um, no, but I am curious about what you think. Can't Natalie. fucking sneak past me, Flores. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because Bloodborne has the things that I usually don't like in a game. So, for example... The character creator fucking sucks. Um, <laughs> let's just start with that. It does suck. I can't make a pretty character, yep. and that mm-hmm. is fucking awful. Um, it is very scary. Very it scary. It is intentionally hard, and I hate the whole get good sort of mentality of uh, Soulsborne games that has always put me off. Um, uh, there's no romance. <laughs> That's oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Let me that's just say big, that there's no romance. Yeah. I can head canon that Eileen is gay, but like that's it. Um, and Marie is dead, and everyone is dead, and I'm not romancing Amigdala or anyone else or the failed experiments with the giant brains. Um, but it is such an interesting game to me. Like the. I agree with John that the way that the lore is obfuscated could be either really interesting and rewarding or it can be off-putting because you have to do all these arbitrary things to find those lore pieces. And since this is a game so focused on the setting and the worlds and not really the characters, like finding that lore is such an important part of the experience. Um, But I mean, I feel like everything in this game has a purpose just from the tiny, like the blood vow animations, like there's a story behind that. There is a story um, behind the worst area, in my opinion, the swamp. Um, Oh God, the fucking swamp. The swamp is not the worst area. (sighs) What is the worst area? (laughs) The worst area is the one with the bell witches. Fuck that shit. Because those enemies oh. will, you can kill everything oh, there. Yeah. And they will come back without you dying. Respawn. Yeah. Fuck yeah. that. Yeah. I forget what it's called. It's the one yeah, where you the, fight the one reborn. I forget what it's called. Is that the same village where, like, it's inhabited by witches no. and they perform so experiments Hemwick. on yes. people? Oh, yeah, I love Hamlet. Ash is talking about literally there's an NPC in that game that just, like, rings bells and it respawns any enemy that you kill. Yeah. Wherever that right. is, like get a red aura on them, and you have to oh. fight. Like you have to find them and kill them, so they, you know, they're ringing their bell and whatever. Nah, fuck that. That that was some hard. I hate that area. I hate that. I think I hate. Jordo says, "Is it Yahargul Unseen Village?" That sounds right. I think they are connected. Yeah, because that's the. Uh, I think you fight Yah, uh, one reborn in Yahargul. I think it is, and right, um, the Hypogean Jail. Yeah, uh, uh, what's the area where the guy stands at the top of the thing and just shoots at you? I like that. Place. Oh, uh, that's that's old, old yarn. The main, yeah, your old yarn. Like he just like you step into his shit, and he's like, you know, be nice. And if you're not nice, he's like, all right, fine, you choose violence. And so he just unleashes the fucking yeah. chopper on your ass, and you have to like <laughs> yeah. dodge shit, from place fine. to place so he can't shoot you. <laughs> I think that's Terminator one of the minigun. earliest points, if not the first point, where you fight a hunter. Because mm. uh, there's a hunter around there. I remember because um, I, I watched as this Let's Player was trying to dodge the fucking hunter. And she was like, what is that? And then <laughs> when she's finally safe, like it's just like... Uh, so, God. yeah. I'm not sure. You can be We're friends with that guy, I think. Like, you, can, you can. Yeah. And he won't shoot you. Yeah, you can. But yeah. if you kill something, then he'll shoot you. 
Um, yeah, it's unfortunate. We haven't even talked about too, like like Yahar Ghul and all that stuff. Just reminded me of like, remember the Bag Men? Yes. Talking about like secrets. Oh yeah. man, fuck that guy. That scared fuck the that shit guy. out of me. <laughs> Can you like my dumbass? Just like you know, going on and Unabu her fucking business, and then all of a sudden you get fucking got, and then you wake up in this jail, and you're like, what the fuck is this? What is this shit? I was so I, it scared the shit out of me and my partner was like no no just trust me i'm like no and he's like just trust me and i'm like what the fuck it, that was yeah yeah where you fight dark beast pearl yeah fuck that yep. guy yep i on my first playthrough i saw because it the way that they introduce you to the Bagman is that there's this an area where you can go through that area multiple times and nothing happens and then one time that you go through there it they're like depending on what bosses you've killed or whatever there's just this like eight foot tall ugly motherfucker frankenstein looking ass comes out with a huge bag no weapons punches you in the face and it does like 80% of your health. And I did manage to kill him my first time. And it wasn't until again, cause I, I was playing this game before anybody else had. So it wasn't until weeks later that I realized if he kills you, you get to like see an entire different area of that mm-hmm. game that you just can't see otherwise, or you can get back to that zone, but it looks completely different. Yeah. The enemy layout is totally uh-huh, different. Uh-huh. Oh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's wild. It's so cool. Um, yeah, and that's why I get when John says, like, you know, s- like, that is something that you don't think of doing in order to access a new level. Just like, oh, let me just let this huge thing kill me. And <laughs> that's how I will unlock a whole other level that I wouldn't see otherwise. Um, so I, I definitely understand that viewpoint. And I am not even in disagreement with it because I'm someone who doesn't tend to venture off too much. Like, Especially if the game is scary, I'm like, no, thank you. Like, I'm just gonna like, this is gonna vibe through this as little as possible and just try to make it quick. Um, but just the feeling of discovery in this game is really incredible. Even just watching someone else play it, and I love the aesthetic. I think the tone and the art direction and the music mm-hmm. all so incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just I yeah. and I think it touches on some really interesting themes. Um, again, I love the ways in which the narrative seems to primarily be in the control of women. I think that is interesting. And I don't know, like it's just such a fascinating world. And so I I only watched it and I might play it one day if they make the character creator less ugly. Um, but I, I do, I would agree. Natalie sticks people. to her fucking guns and I respect it. <laughs> I'm right there. I right have there. my priorities. Um, and I really like, I do not disagree with people who see it as a perfect game. Like, I think it is such an appealing game, even to someone like me who sees so many things that I don't normally like in this. But I'm like, oh, that shit good. Like, it's just expertly made. Yeah. It's, Spe- yeah. Speaking of, oh my gosh, Steven, I was literally about to bring this up. Oh, really? So, yeah, good job. <laughs> uh, speaking of the soundtrack, uh, I can't thank uh, Alex McCullough, uh more for reminding me of great soundtracks. Uh, 
Uh, he's the guy that does the the bass lines of like a lot of soundtracks, and he did a really cool one. For, and he always uh, the Ludwig is theme. dressed in oh god. I I want to see perfect. that guy's closet. I mean, he just he's always very looks amazing. Big recently, but I always knew him for um, he does a lot of Final Fantasy fourteen yeah. music mm-hmm. mashups mm-hmm. and yeah. analysis. Like he is just so incredible, and Square Enix needs to hire this man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and ASAP. and uh, yeah, I mean. The, the, the video uh, that I think it was just about a month and a half ago uh, for the Bloodborne one that did remind me about how good that soundtrack is, and I've yeah. been listening to it periodically every every few days or so. So it's a really good soundtrack for sure. It's a really good soundtrack for a really good game, and I think that's basically yeah. what we have uh, established here today on another episode of Ninety Nine Potions. Wow, Ninety Nine Potions! Wow. Yeah, 99 Blood Vials, our new Bloodborne-centric <laughs> podcast where every week we go through and beat a different boss and talk to you about it. Uh, <laughs> God, I'd do that. I'd, I'd I would that do that. Podcast. I would do that, too. I mean, yeah. we could do that. Spinoff, oh, our first, the first 99 Potion spinoff. We'll have to talk about that offline because for yeah. now, we're probably going to wrap up this show. Thank you so much, Ash, for being here. Thank you for having me. Now I'm going to go get sign off and play Bloodborne again. i literally moments before this podcast started was like i wonder if i could just beat the i'm right at the cleric beast i bet i could beat it i bet i could beat it right now it's just like (laughs) jordan's like yeah i just need five minutes for coffee and was just like yeah that's enough time that's not enough time like you need to you need time to like get in and relearn it like okay this is the rhythm to to, to do that again i think coming off of demon souls i'm a little bit i've got the you know there's a certain sort of baseline skeleton of skills that translates between all these games. And uh, I've got that kind of in my veins again from Demon's Souls recently. And it's just really making me want to go back and play through a bunch of the DLC I've missed in a bunch of these games. But maybe we'll do a full episode on some of uh, those games in the future if we can uh, rope Natalie and John and Ash into playing Dark Souls 2, Scholar of the First Sin with me. Uh, send, <laughs> send your emails to podcastatfanbyte.com no. to tell them to do that. Uh, speaking, no. of- <laughs> uh, speaking of emails, we have to do the emails. We have to do the email. We did get an email in from a while ago now from somebody who we've been meaning to read for a little while. And once again, the email address is podcastatfanbyte.com. Uh, we have one here from uh, Louis Sullivan who says, Hi, just want to let you know, up until like four years ago, I thought Renoa was pr- pronounced Renoir like it's Ooh. French. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in like, Europe and that's my so choice. good. It's honestly very good. Um, as someone who has never actually been quite sure about how to pronounce a lot of names from that game specifically, like I've heard some people say Kistis. It's oh, Kistis. It's Kistis. It is Kistis, right? Yes. So because that, that that would track though, because like, you know, everyone's saying Titus, but I've known it's Titus like forever. And I, I don't know, maybe it is Renoir. I actually, I don't know. Um, this is probably how I self-diagnosed as dyslexic because I went like 20 years thinking it, it was Riona. I, oh. Oh. Huh. I can see that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, so I, yeah. So that, that Renoir, I really like Renoir. <laughs> I do like Renoir too. <laughs> Renoir's got a great carding collection. 
Um, Renoir heart cool, and a cool dog. Um, oh shit, that's right. Doesn't she fucking shoot her dog? <laughs> she shoots her dog from yeah. her wrist. Yes, she's yeah, a yeah. bad bitch. No, let me back up a second for everyone that just uh, clutched their pearls. She doesn't shoot her dog. Her dog <laughs> is a projectile. She. she she puts she puts a dog on a crossbow on her wrist and then shoots the dog at people. It's a dog. Right. So, it's a dog yeah. bullet. It's dog uh, bullets, Kyle. Dog bullets. <laughs> it's dog bullets, Kyle. <laughs> oh my We're God. like, why are you advocating shooting dogs? <laughs> we love Renoir. She fun. shoots her dog in that game. Um, Isn't that fun? But, uh, isn't, isn't that, that great? Squall, isn't that why Squall fell in love with her? Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> oh fucking god. Uh, but that's I mean, a very that's that's the kind of energy uh, for our reader questions and comments that I really want. So good job with yeah. that. One last time, that's podcast at fanbyte.com. That is the same email address that you can use for all of our different podcasts, which you can find at fanbyte.com slash podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter at at fanbyte media. Where can people find you, Ash? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at at Ad Astra, that's A-D-A-S-H-T-R-A. And you can check out all of the stuff I do at Kotapio. Hell yeah. Which is all very good, yeah. Still one of my favorite websites uh, about video games in the world, even now that I work at one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just, yeah, the, the elites over at Kotaku.com are pretty good, I have to say. Uh, you don't have to be nice uh, just because I'm here. No, it's super. It's honestly super true. I think uh, specifically your work has been one of the the, the bright spots uh, over there for a while. And I loved Riley's uh, impressions of Cyberpunk. This yeah. Week, so you should go check those out as well. So I I really love the stuff y'all been doing lately for sure. Oh yeah, Jordo says in the chat. I still read Kotaku every day, and I even worked a joystick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Um, I have a funny story about Kotaku that I'll tell one day. But in the meantime, I can be found on Twitter myself at, at Steven Strum. John, where can people find you? Oh, you can find me at uh, floppyadult on Twitter.com. Floppy. Natalie, where can people find you? Before I say that, I am. I'm bothered by the fact that you just pulled a Bloodborne and you were like, I have a story to tell about Kotaku, but you're going to have to find yeah, it. Yeah, you're going to have to read the item descriptions. You're going to have to jump in a hole six times for me to tell you about this one. I'm going to tease it, but I'm not going to give it to you. You know, Who knows when I'll give it to you? Maybe you have to get sacked by this like huge... like. What was it? Bag it was like man. A I just called like, the bag man. I don't know what they're actually bad called. Man. <laughs> you have to get done by the bad man, and then you can find my Kotaku story. Um, you can find me at Hardy Misia. That's heart I M E C I A. I almost forgot how to pronounce letters <laughs> there, but we're good. And you can find our wonderful producer, Joystick Jordan, over at <laughs> Twitter at Jordan underscore Mallory. And that's probably going to do it for us this week on another episode of 99 Potions. And, well, I say that, <laughs> but of course, there is one last sequence of events that needs to occur. We need to uh, head on over to the Healing Church, grab this ourselves. Is the Dark Souls of <laughs> podcast endings. The Dark Souls of podcast endings. We have to, well, between this episode and the next one, we'll go rest in a bonfire and recharge our big Estes flask so that we can take a big ol' Oh man, Ash, go ahead. As someone who is completely creeped out by ASMR videos where people just like whisper, and you just fucked me up. So thanks for the warning, guys. 
Now's your chance to get revenge. You could do it too. No, I don't want to do it. I hate. Oh, okay. I don't want to do it. You guys, you guys do that over there. That's fine. You we don't, don't do that over here.